welcome to the official Infuse podcast. At Infuse, our mission is to help the church affirm, support, and resource people with out-of-the-box missional ideas. And I'm your host, Andy Littleton. Today, we sit down with Colby Henley, the community coordinator for Infuse, as well as Dave Cresta, author of the book, Jesus on Main Street, to discuss what it looks like to bring economic development and missional strategy together. We hope you enjoy this conversation and that you engage further with us at Infuse. Check us out at infusetucson.com. Dave, it's really good to have uh, have you with us today and all, all the way down from Phoenix. What a yes. what a trip. I mean, I can't believe you came all this way to be on this <laughs> podcast. Passed about 49,000 cactus. <laughs> 49,000, that's not bad. And you're, Dave, you're from Portland. So so just, just a quick intro to all of us. What is it like the first time that you see the majestic saguaro? <laughs> Actually, I know you're chuckling, but it's it's amazing. I mean, I thought it was cool. Yeah. It was uh, amazing. I didn't know that they were quite so tall. You know, I grew up in... Uh, in Spent a lot of time with uh, the Pacific Northwest cedars that are, you know, hundreds of feet high. But uh, these these compete in their own way. Yeah, absolutely. I've uh, and and maybe you know this, but the they're hundreds and hundreds of years old. The more arms they have, that this happens over time. Um, have you beheld one that has just taken it to the next level for you? Have you have you had that moment? We've yet? seen a few that are like, "Wow, that is super tall," or that one is super symmetrical. Symmetrical, like that. That's kind of unique because they're they're all over the place sometimes with their arms or whatever you call yeah. them, branches, arms. I don't know what you call it. Yeah, we are. Let's go arms. Arms. Yeah. Okay. Have you have you seen the crested saguaro yet? No. Mm, okay. Well, okay. God will have revealed Himself to you when you see one of those. Okay. So wait for it. All right. Yeah. Yep. Is that true? I Is like that it. True? I think yeah. I think we have to get Dave to the crested swallow. Yeah. Yeah. That and that's the voice of Colby Henley, by the way. Who who Hello. some of you on it, this is this will be on a couple podcasts, but Colby hasn't been on any with me ever. So that's right. I've seen you record them a few times. But, that's right. Uh, yeah. I haven't actually got to speak into the mic. Yeah. It's a Yay. it's a whole new world. It's a whole new experience. Well, Dave, um, briefly as. You have written this book, and you're bringing this uh, some wisdom to the table for us. But give us a little journey on how you got to writing Jesus on Main Street, mm-hmm. um, kind of how your background uh, and how how you've come to write this book and start engaging in this kind of training and, and this type of work. Um, yeah. yeah, give us a little background on that. Yeah, it's actually quite a long journey. But um, you know, I grew up in the church, grew up uh, you know faithfully every Sunday, Sunday evening. Wednesday evenings, you know, the whole the whole spiel. Um, but it was a very individualized, kind of privatized faith, so I didn't really think about what the church has to do with the world. The world was something outside of the, the four walls of the church that we tried to stay away from. Um, but as I, you know, as I grew up and um, was exposed to more, I, I, I suddenly saw that, you know, in my safe white middle class neighborhood um you know just outside of that there was a lot going on that i didn't understand so you know i grew up in detroit mm-hmm. actually oh yeah uh, hyper segregated so um i actually had to travel to go see poverty yeah. um so that was kind of a, a unique experience so to me it was always kind of at a distance 
Um, you know, fast forward several years, I got married, you know, was chasing the American dream, continued going to church, but again, it was still kind of separate from um, from the world. It was kind of like I had my vocation, I was into high tech, yeah. um, and then I went to church, and they didn't really kind of mix together in any, any meaningful ways. And I shared with you this a little bit earlier as we were talking, you know, I got fired from a job in the year 2000, and that was kind of a wake-up call and started me back on this journey um, towards God. I essentially had put him on a shelf for a while. Yeah. And so I guess, I guess I'm getting into these personal details because I do think at the root of all this is, is a real deep spiritual connection to our creator who loves his creation, who loves neighbors, who loves neighborhoods. But I didn't realize any of that. Yeah. Um, so again, fast forward a few more years. I was uh, doing some some work at a nonprofit. Was exposed to really the church's call to serve those that were marginalized, serve the poor, the hungry, but not necessarily with the tools to do anything long term or sustainable about it. So you yeah. know, you would hear about churches getting burnt out seeing the same people showing up year after year, the lines getting longer. Nothing's changing. Nothing is yeah. changing. Um, so, uh, you know, I decided, hey, I need to understand this a little bit better. What's going on? What is, you know, and I'm a natural lifelong learner, so I just started digging into books and read lots of books and started listening to to speakers, decided at one point um, to go back to school. So I um, kind of mid-career went back and got a PhD in urban studies because I felt God really telling me, okay, Dave, if you really care about this stuff, mm. I want you to dive in you know, with, with both feet head first. So that's kind of what, what brought me to this point, um, was able to study within an urban studies context at Portland State University, the role that churches play in neighborhoods and how mm. neighborhoods change, which is a pretty understudied area in in urban studies. Now, Port Portland State, this isn't a religious institution. Not at no. all. So you're bringing that question into that space. Right. And yeah. it, it was great because, you know, my professors, my advisor recognized that churches and faith institutions are important mm. actors in our neighborhoods, you know, they're yeah. often one. One writer says that you know, uh, churches are often the first into the neighborhood, and then they're the last to leave. So they're mm. like there. Wow. Um, but yet, it's a fairly understudied area. It's something that a lot of people just kind of gloss over. So, anyways, I was able to do that. You know, pour in the you know several years of research into that question. Um, concluded my studies, and then um, you know. In, in, in determining, like, how can I now go the next step in, you know, calling the church forward to its its role in neighborhoods, um, you know, how can I play a role in that, um, came upon this, this uh, topic area of community economic development, which has been around for, you know, literally 50 years. Yeah. A lot of well-developed tools and techniques, but not necessarily um, in the church. Yeah. So I decided to take all of that and put it into a format and into a uh, into a package that uh, you know would be ready for church leaders to really grapple with. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you're uh, just to kind of put this together. You're not coming from necessarily a ministry background, um, not necessarily. 
I'm thinking of kind of some of those long-term Christian community development folks like John Perkins, who, who they just kind of were like trial and error um, practitioners who mm-hmm. were at this for years. You came into this a little more as a business person, looking mm-hmm. at your faith, asking these questions, and then you you went into that academic world to kind of explore this right. um, in, a, in the secular academic world with this background of having been a Christian in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. That, that's I, kind of a unique angle. And on I kind of came to the table late. I mean, I, I looked at the, the work of John Perkins and have gone to CCDA conferences and there's, you know, so much tremendous work that's going yeah. on by all those people there. Um, but yeah, I felt like, you know, I, I can offer something maybe that's a little bit different to that, to that whole discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, one of the aims here is to talk to to people in the church, and maybe I'll, I'll launch into this, and then Colby Colby has read the whole book, and um, and I just wish I had, and so um, I promise you I will. But um, as we're as we're talking to people in the church, just just give us briefly the give us the pitch. I mean, talk us into um, integrating these things, mm-hmm. um, economic development, along with our our life in the church. Uh, yeah. Tell us how, how that's changed your perspective, how, why we should care about that. Yeah. So that's a good, good question because this is not just another topic or another fad that we need to pursue to be more relevant. Um, so it's really rooted in what's important to God. Mm-hmm. And if you look throughout the Bible, you know, over and over again, you'll see, especially through, you know, the minor prophets, you'll see talk of justice, talk of, you know, treating the poor with with dignity, um, you know, just uh, not exploiting workers. I mean, you see all this stuff, and I, I have to tell you, I never heard a sermon on any of those topics, yeah. you know, not knocking my church, but I think that's true for a lot of churches. You just don't hear about that. Um, so this is all rooted in God's love for justice, his love of mercy, his love and his his dream of shalom mm. in the world. Um, so I think that's that's really the starting point. That's why we need to care. That's why um, this is something for us to look at seriously because it matters to God. He has put the church here on earth for a specific purpose, and that's to carry out his work. His, his mission on the earth, if you want to call it that, um, to, to bring the redeeming effects of the gospel into everything in our lives. So that includes, you know, the places we live, the types of jobs that are available, um, the, the economics of a, of a mm. neighborhood. I mean, those things all combine together to either create or not create thriving and shalom for all. Yeah, just to pitch in, my other uh, people who podcast with me will just be on the other end rolling their eyes right now. But I'm a big, I'm a terms guy, and I think I like our people to know. I assume, Dave, when you say shalom, uh, some people translate that as peace, um, but the scriptural idea of shalom is is thick, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's like the absolute flourishing of all things. Would mm-hmm. you anything you wanted to just people know when you say shalom? What are you getting at there? What What's the vision? No, I think that's it. I mean, I think it's just, um, I, I like to think of it as thriving or yeah. vitality or livelihood for everybody. And that includes all these connections. So it's not just us as individuals experiencing shalom, but it's shalom. Yes. Communal. Only 
makes sense when it's thought about communally. Yeah, yeah. Dave, um, here's something I've been toying with, and again, not to knock churches, but I'd love your feedback on this before Colby takes over here. Um, so I've heard it said in churches, you know, our real calling is the Great Commission. It's um, and, and sometimes that idea of that being the main thing has been used to say, look, we just we do we evangelize people, we tell them about the facts of the gospel so that we can see people come into right relationship with Jesus. And sometimes things like economic development or policy can be seen as kind of tangential. They're a little bit outside of that. Um, as I've studied the scriptures and led a community over the years, I've become very convinced that the Great Commission in Matthew 28 is not the first one. Um, it is a an expansion of a commission we have been given in our creation. Um, that there's what you what's called the cultural mandate. You're going to go into the earth mm-hmm. and subdue it, which which is the kind of the cornerstone for the Christian teaching on vocation itself. And so that would mean that God um, loves and calls us into meaningful work, yes. right? And then. So when Jesus comes and says to go make disciples, um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've commanded you, that doesn't overthrow the creation mandate. None of us would ever say that about mm-hmm. foundational ideas from from creation, such as rest or marriage or anything like that. It's uh, it's building upon. It's making it possible. It's uh, it's enriching it. So I, I tend to talk about the the. You know, we have our first Great Commission, and then the expansion of the Great Commission. Is that? Are, yeah, I love are it. Are we saying I, the same thing here? I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually, I'm glad you went back to the cultural mandate because uh, I didn't want to go there, but you already went there, so that's great. Awesome. Um, I, I kind of view. I mean, Christ and, and you know Jesus. What he spoke of was not a replacement, or I don't even know if it was an expansion of it. I think it was just the solution to yeah. it. It's like here's how you do the work on earth. It's through discipleship. It's through relationship with Jesus. And that impacts then all of our relationships and how we approach our work, how we approach our play, how we approach our our personal relationships, how we approach community relationships, how we approach our relationship to the earth. I mean, that's all redeemed through the gospel. So I don't see it as a, even a separate or expanded cultural mandate I, I just think hey that's how you do it yeah yeah a lot of times the theologians will talk about the work of the gospel as we experience it in the new testament is it's as if uh, a seed were planted um even even right after creation and and there was always good news there was always hope um and that that seed grows and that we get to um experience it and in, in, in its fullness in christ it's not a new idea it's in Christ we have the fullness, a deeper capacity to do this calling because of the specifics we now know about Christ and mm-hmm. what he's done. Yeah. Uh, so not not a new idea, but no. there's something it's – and not really yeah, – expansion makes it feel like there's another – there's a new part. It's not – no, it's just now this is fully developed. We can see the whole picture mm. in depth. Um, Colby, having mm. having read this book <laughs> – um, and uh, and I and I know you've sent me some pages because and I know you're liking it and uh, yep. and there's been a lot of we've discovered it's been cool we've discovered a lot of um, overlap in relationships even not even in the state which is great um, from with all of us so 
Yeah, what are what what has made you just itching for more curious as you're reading Dave's book? Yeah, so I I definitely see overlap and all these kind of interconnected things, but I think I want to start with um, j- just the um, so Dave, you have a PhD in economics or something? What's, what's Urban this? studies. I'm not okay. I'm not smart enough to have one in economics. Okay. Um, I know the the last economics class I took was maybe in community college. So, but it, but I want to say that reading this um, is super um, approachable, and and so it's not a it's not a high academic academic read for for somebody with my background. So I, that's been super helpful. It makes sense. It has all the connections, and um, and I think part of that is at the beginning you you kind of lay out. Um, the difference between traditional economic development and community economic development, which are, like you mm-hmm. said, you know, th- these are um, long established, been around forever, but but they're they're distinct and different. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's a a good question. So, this book is not about economics. Economics is a very you know kind of high level theoretical discipline. This is really about what impacts the types of jobs that are available to us? What impacts, you know, our paychecks, the stores that we frequent, the restaurants that we go to? So that's really the stuff of economic development. So um, you asked about the difference between traditional and community economic development. So traditional economic development, it's kind of hard to define, but it's easier just to describe. So, I mean, you drive down any street or city um, and you'll see large-scale development, like maybe it's a widening of a street. I think we saw one yes. just on our <laughs> tour today. Was it uh, Broadway? Broadway or? Boulevard, yeah. So a widening of a street. Presumably somebody made a decision that, you know, if we widen the street, it'll help, you know, traffic flow through and get from point A to point B, and it'll bring more business along, et cetera, et cetera. So traditional economic development is really all about kind of raising that top-level economic output or economic activity level. Um, So the other classic example is like building a sports arena. Um, So anything that brings, you know, new businesses in, that brings more people in to Mm. spend money, that's really kind of what traditional economic development is all about. Yeah. Um, Sounds good on the surface. And, you know, there has been some good, but a lot of pain has been created because of traditional economic development. So you think about you know, displaced neighborhoods, displaced homes, communities that have been fractured by, by, you know, maybe the introduction of a freeway or the widening of a road or the the clearing of a field for a new stadium. Uh, The other thing is traditional economic development promises this, you know, influx of money, but typically that money is from outside of the community and a lot of times the revenue and the taxes that are generated kind of leave the community as well. So you mm. think about big box stores coming in or chain restaurants, and sure, those will create jobs, but the profits that are generated are going to go you know, out of state to some corporate headquarters. Community economic development, though, really focuses on the place. So it's all about local ownership. It's about, you know, those who are not necessarily benefiting from some of this traditional economic development. So it's about, you know, long-term residents, long-term businesses that in some cases are struggling to survive and stay in their neighborhoods. Uh, So community economic development really is about empowering those communities with local money and keeping that money local as well. Now, 
doesn't mean, you know, community economic development won't take money from outside, you know, investments in that thing, but it really focuses on making sure that the poor, the marginalized, those that aren't necessarily benefiting from the traditional economic systems that they are going to benefit. Um, so that, you know, I give lots of examples in the book, but just one is like, you know, helping uh, uh, local businesses to either form or expand. Mm. You know, that's a great way to, to not only create jobs, but also keep money circulating within a community. Yeah. Just, just to tie in the church thing, um, why is this the church's business? Mm-hmm. Why, why should we participate on that level? Like you said in your life before, there was just it's just the way the city works, and then I do church things. Why blend the two? Yeah, well, it, you know, back to our first question, um, which was, you know, why is this important? Yeah. It's because it's important to God. Yeah. Um, so how can we as a church ignore, you know, wide swaths of the scripture that talk about economic justice and treating, yeah. you know, the foreigner, the immigrant, the poor well and with dignity? So that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, if, if we as a church care about our community, then a big part of that is, you know, mm-hmm. the local economics and how it contributes to the types of opportunities that people have. I believe this is all part of God's good news working itself out in the world. So, yeah, you know, ignore it at your peril, I guess. Yeah. Thanks. So I was going to ask about when churches are kind of engaged with this and think, okay, this is something we want to step into and maybe, um, you know, lead our congregations in, I can see that, you know, they can look at, at the challenges that are out there economically, socially, and, and either be completely overwhelmed by it and think, well, you know, what can we do as a, as a single congregation or, um, or even, a, you know, a larger church that uh, that can even move the needle on this stuff? Or kind of the opposite would be, to, to look at that, um, the, the big kind of societal ills and oversimplify them to think, okay, I'm going to, as the church, we're going to step into this one piece and that's going to fix it. Um, and you talk about in your book kind of this ecosystem approach and where churches, um, and I like that almost in every chapter, you, you have a section about the role of churches. So there's kind of this this broader issue that you examine and then you kind of get down to some, here's the role of the church, how the, the church can step into these things. Can you talk a little bit about kind of that ecosystem approach? Yeah. Well, so this is why it's important for the church to be involved in this, because it actually involves people and it yeah. involves the community. So, again, you know, you know, maybe getting to your question, Andy, about why should the church be involved in this, we want to be interacting with people. We want to be interacting with people in our community. So the ecosystem is simply, you know, what are the organizations, what are the businesses, what are the governmental agencies that are in our communities and who are the people behind those and connecting with them. So there's a, there is a personal connection, but there's also kind of this higher level community connection. So recognizing that a community in order for it to thrive needs to have all of these components working together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, kind of maybe fleshing out this definition of Shalom as well as when these different organizations, whether they're, you know, different churches in a community or different nonprofits or banks or businesses all working together, that is another picture or, or working out of shalom. Mm-hmm. 
I forgot your actual question. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's it about <laughs> the ecosystem and, and yeah. yeah, the the churches can kind of make can be on two extremes of either being overwhelmed by the size of the problem and then not engaging at all yeah. or maybe oversimplifying and just yeah. focusing on one thing and not really being aware or engaged with kind of the broader Yeah, thanks for bringing me yeah. back. So <laughs> um so yeah, you you can't enter this work as, you know, either from a perspective of being overwhelmed because then you don't know where or what to start with. But you also, we don't want to enter, enter into this as, you know, we're from the church. We're here to help. You know, we, we yeah. can we can handle anything. We've got, you know, the Bible in yeah. one hand and, you know, an economic primer in the other. That's not the approach here. It's really more of a listening approach first and foremost. So that's why it's important yeah. to understand who is this, you know, economic or the, the ecosystem, who's in it, what are the players? What are the gaps? What are the assets? So that takes a lot of listening. And it, it's not necessarily something that happens overnight either. You know, we yeah. talked this morning about how churches in neighborhoods, it's really a slow burn. It's, yeah. it's leaning into that, you know, over sometimes over a decade. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know your neighborhood, if you are disconnected from your neighborhood, that's the part, that's the place to start. And that might take a while. Yeah, absolutely. And we we were saying today we've um, experienced that. Colby's experienced that as as a as a believer who has just embedded in his neighborhood that for the longest time it felt like this isn't nothing's happening. Um, and then in our church too, uh, we've we've definitely begun to see just a, I would say small growth on things that were invested in years ago, and that's encouraging to my soul. Uh, but also I recognize there's probably a lot of folks out there, um, members of churches or leaders who get in there three, four years and go, nothing's happening. And I quit, you know, forget mm -hmm. it. Uh, and I'm just grateful, grateful that God's kind of held me in this place. But anyway, I, I think that's just something I want mm -hmm. people to hear. And thank you for, thank you for bringing that back up. Um, yeah. One thing to think about is like, you know, we're all of an age where we know God's been working on us for decades, right? Yeah. So why yeah. would we think that, you know, a community is going to change overnight or that even in two or three years? I mean, this stuff, you know, yeah. God's been working on these communities already before yes. we got there. You know, that's we hear that commonly. So why do we think that suddenly we become enlightened and things are going to change overnight? Mm. That being said, I mean, I hope I offer some things in the book also that give some hope that, you know— these are not all like, you know, 20 year time frame things. Like there are some things that, you know, you could probably just do, you know, once you have the mind to it and you've listened to your community, you can go and identify, you know, maybe there's a nonprofit that's offering, for example, workforce development. Um, mm -hmm. Go and volunteer, go see what they're doing. Go and, you know, connect your members to that nonprofit. I bet you you've got a lot of um, talent that's sitting in your pews, you know, mm -hmm. whether they're HR managers or, you know, business owners, mm -hmm. uh, lawyers, um, you know, mechanics, you've got all kinds of people in your pews that have a lot that they can offer on day one yep. to some existing programs that are likely already up and running in your community. So workforce development or a business incubator, these these organizations are always looking for mentors, for teachers, for volunteers. Yeah, it reminds me when I I lived in Chicago and I did um, I worked with a, a church and a community development agency there. But the, in their story was that one of their 
one of their kind of key and I believe pretty early um, forays into community development was that a mechanic in the church just said, I can do reduced rate work um, for people who need it Mm. and just began to exercise that. And uh, that sort of began to establish their church as a church that that cared and mm-hmm. that was involved and that was looking to the needs of the community. And then they ended up having a housing corporation and all these big things later. But um, that's important. And it, another thing it made me think of was a long time ago, I was advised to think about the work of God in this way that, that people, um, you could say people, communities, sometimes they have kind of walls up as to their level of desire or of engagement with God or their fears or their pain or whatever it is. And that sometimes our role to come into them is just to take one more brick down off of that wall. Mm. Um, you know, you may not take the whole wall down, but then every once in a while you come along in somebody's life or into the life of a community and you're the last brick. Um, they've, they've been working towards something or they've been, um, God has been at work in their, mm-hmm. in their life um, or in the state, in the sake or the you know situation of a community within that community and and you're there and they go yeah the door's open yeah and so you never know timelines i try to be careful these yeah. days with promising any kind of timelines but god can yeah. do amazing things on day 1 you yeah, never know absolutely and you know i'm not a theologian here but a lot of this is rooted in our view of god so yes. um like i shared you know with some of my background i grew up thinking of god as kind of this distant authoritarian God who didn't really have much interaction with my neighborhood other than maybe, you know, um, judging it for a few things here and there or, you know, putting people in their place. And I think a lot of people in America still have that conception of God. So if we in our faithful work here can open up people to, hey, you know what? Actually, this God that I serve cares about what's going on in this community. He's he's a nurturer. He's not just this judge. He's, he cares about shalom. He wants to see connections and, and right relationships. That's that's maybe going to really, you know, tip some people upside down in terms of, hey, I'm going to rethink what God actually is. Because these people obviously are doing some pretty neat stuff. And it's because we view God, I believe, you know, rightly. You know, I'm trying to be humble about that. But I think mm. that's, a, that's a more faithful and biblical read of the Bible than you know, maybe the one that I grew up with. Hmm. Yeah. And speaking of, speaking of those types of things, things we're not used to. I, years ago, I heard, um, I heard someone speak. I think actually, I think it was Shane Claiborne back in the day, but he was talking about how it's possible that the kingdom of God can move forward in collaboration with unbelievers. Mm -hmm. And I remember I heard that and I went, Oh, is that right? Yeah. But what you're talking about here is, you know, looking for the workforce agency, um, look for what's happening in the community, because since God is about this flourishing, um, mm-hmm. that that it's it's possible that that flourishing is coming about partially through some agency that yeah. isn't even a Christian agency. But how have you processed that, processed that coming out of the church, um, no, not coming out, but coming out of a background in the church that maybe didn't partner mm-hmm. outside of the walls? Yeah, how have you how have you worked that out and processed that and learned about that? I, I mean, again, I think it just gets back to a, a fuller understanding of who God is and what He desires for yeah. the world around us. I mean, we all have you know we memorized you know for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. So we get that part, but there's a lot more to it. He He cares about what's going on at that local mm-hmm. level with individuals, with neighborhoods. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I've come to the point where it's like, if it's important to God, I've got to pursue that. And we mm-hmm. as a church have to pursue that. And how valuable when you're trying to integrate your faith into the entirety of your life. Because if it's God only works in a Christian and Christian partnerships, um, mm-hmm. then then it's hard to take that into your workplace. Right. It's hard to take that out into the community. And so to see that that God is at work in and through all things, which does get down to your view of God mm-hmm. and how really truly involved he is. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I was just going to chime in. I think th- that's a, I've also experienced that in our neighborhood where we moved into and kind of thought, you know, we would be, we would do all these great things so that people would notice us as the believers and, and quickly discovered that that we couldn't outgood our neighbors. We, mm. we just had some amazing neighbors. They were doing all this great work and it just, yeah, it, it's humbling to see God at work out ahead of you and, and doing, uh, working through people that, that you maybe wouldn't traditionally engage with and yeah, to see that, it, it's pretty yeah, cool stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, a key, a key side to that doctrine of God that, uh, or the, those beliefs underneath is not just how involved God is, but it's that Christians uh, aren't better people. Um, and so sometimes that view that we are the better people can kind of hamper the mission. I think we've all been there. Um, but yeah, you when you really start engaging, you go, some of these people are more moral than me. Uh, they're more sacrificial than me. <laughs> and apparently I'm only saved by grace because... Uh, <laughs> Low and if it cold. was by works, <laughs> they would precede me. Yes. Yeah, we have, a, we have a lot to learn from our we do. from our neighbors. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's you know, yeah. kind of like talking about like practical steps that churches can take. It's yeah. like you don't assume that you have to have the answers. Yeah. Like people are going to be all right if you go in there just saying like, "How can I help?" Yeah. Actually, they're probably going to be more okay with that than if you came in with yeah. like a you know a four point program that you wanted them to implement for you. Yep. That doesn't go so well. Some of our, um, one of our strategies for that was the, actually you saw our mural on the wall. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about that is we we had enough information about Tucson to know Tucson really likes murals. And so we were trying to think, how can we get um, the neighbors to come out and tell us their stories and who they are and what their hopes are for their neighborhood um, without just coming off as, you know, odd. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we concocted was the idea of we want to we want to tell this neighborhood story on the wall um would you come out and tell us the story and then you can come and help and paint it you Mm -hmm. know you can be a part of that process and that was such a such a gift i mean we just learned about uh, beautiful things that happened over the generations we heard about losses we learned about wins we learned about things that people missed that used to be in the community um we we learned about some of their values uh, just from hearing these stories and start collecting this this information. Um, and yeah, there, there just were so many beautiful things already there. And we're still, I, I think we have a long way to go. We've engaged well with Pray. Yeah, that's that's really neat. 15 of hundreds, right? So Colby, you might have another question, but I'm going to insert something here because I do think that there is a unique role for the church as well, so I yeah. don't want to shortchange that part. So um, let me just talk a little bit about that, and then we can you know, maybe get to some more specifics. Awesome. But, I mean, we are salt and light, right? I yeah. mean, so I do think that there are some things that we um, – not that we offer, but that because we are following this God who loves 
our neighborhood and our neighbors. Yeah. Because of that, we have some things to offer. So I think you know one of the things is like looking critically at our systems, looking critically at you know who mm. is benefiting from what's going on, um, who's who's falling through the cracks, you know. Um, to use you know one of the the um, New Testament uh, parables, who are the lost sheep? You know, mm-hmm. maybe there's 99 sheep that are safe, but where you know where's that one sheep? We're called to go after that one sheep, even if it doesn't make you know economic sense, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't make you know sense at any at any level. It's like, hey, we should be okay with 99% uh, success rate, not according to that parable. So you know, I think there's things going on in all of our neighborhoods where, you know, mm-hmm. what are the, who are the individuals or the groups that are falling through the cracks? You know, but maybe it's the refugee community, maybe it's the immigrants, maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, minorities, Hispanics, or, or whatever it is. Um, there is pain that's being created by, you know, our, our current economic mm-hmm. system. So I think we as a, as a church can, can look at that and, and, you know, take on that role that God has called us to, to go after that, um, those people that are being, you know, forgotten or marginalized and bring them back to the table. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. And I, and you tend to think, and thank you for bringing it back to that, because there is built in to the Christian faith is a deep degree of, of a God who looks after those populations right and and a message of of grace you know undeserved favor and so that gives us motivations tools that really can go deep into those issues um and anyway thank you that's that's a great reminder yeah i I think that struck me as well in reading your book about is a good reminder yeah is that for me i can um i can kind of create my own little circle of contacts and and people that are like me and that I share passions with and so to be to be intentional about make sure we're we're not missing those folks and to reaching out to seeing where those gaps and cracks are and and to to really work on that um and yeah I think kind of pivoting a little bit to the endeavor that we're we're working on Andy um to look at kind of uh, a business incubator helping people in in the church to step into some of those roles uh, to explore kind of where mission and business uh, kind of cross-pollinate mm-hmm. and to help them kind of launch something. Um, we were talking earlier this morning about, um, you know, our, our structure initially just to kind of get things up and going is just to kind of find those people with those ideas um, and help them kind of move them forward. And, and we're going to learn through that process. Um, and you kind of brought up, you know, just this, uh, to not not chase those ideas so much, but to have a, a bit more structure mm-hmm. to that and thoughtfulness behind that. So I, w- I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the the question is, you know, what's the starting point? So there's a lot of work going into like enabling social entrepreneurs or just business entrepreneurs in general. And so that's, that's noble work. I think that's good work. Um, the challenge or the the you know the thing to think about though is often it's it's driven by you know what's the good idea who who's got the good idea you know you think of shark tank or whatever i've i've never watched it but i've heard about it, right you know like you got to convince people that right. your idea is better than everyone else's and then you get the the golden egg or the money or whatever 
I think that's not the right place for us to start from. I think what what we're really called to is how do we pursue shalom? And that means how do we pursue shalom in a certain place? So, you know, as a church, you know, we're called to serve our community. What is that community? Are there other churches that we can connect with? And that's really the starting point. It's like, what are the assets of the community? What are the needs of the community? And can we agree on some things that we'd like to dream about and change at the community level? Um, So maybe one example could be, you know, we want to lower the rate of unemployment in a particular group of people, you know, maybe teenagers or, you know, middle-aged, you know, um, people without college degrees in our neighborhood that are underemployed. Yeah. Okay, so that's the vision. The dream is to raise the employment level. So what are the different ways we can approach that? What are some potential solutions? And there's multiple solutions that are going to be required that all need to work together to reach that goal. Hopefully, some of those are going to be great ideas for new businesses, you know, great ideas for new social entrepreneurship uh, endeavors. But the thing is, they're not working in isolation or in a vacuum. They're working together for this goal of, you know, in this example, lowering unemployment for a particular demographic in your community. That, that's kind of what I what we talked about today is like, wouldn't it be great if you could pull together a group of people, um, you know, you've got several good ideas like that that are going to require some investment and maybe even some ideas that require very little investment. They're just very, you know, kind of uh, low cost or no cost ideas. And then you as a group are kind of managing that whole portfolio of, of ideas and endeavors. And if one or two of them fail, that's okay because you still got this long-term goal mm-hmm. and then you get more ideas and then they all work together for that that common goal. I heard in that a little bit more of a place-based approach where you, you gathered people who were dreaming and discerning about, yeah, about a community as, as opposed to and, – and my favorite thing about that is – Immediately when you brought it up earlier, I thought, oh, man, when we just come in with my idea, it's it can be very much centered around, you know, achievement or or trying to kind of, I don't know, I, you know, I've even seen it myself. I want to get, I want to see this go forward. It's, it's my idea. Mm-hmm. And what you're inviting is to get together and say, let's not, so our ideas will come, those will happen and they'll be, they'll have their place, but let's start with asking what is needed and what is helpful and what would be a blessing for others, which is yeah, very much what God tends to do, right? I think that it yeah. plays into our discussion earlier about the difference between outputs and outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how that should guide things. Yeah, right? work, that, work that out for, for us here. Yeah, so um, outputs would be like, you know, hey, I've got this program that I've started and I'm going to have, you know, 100 graduates from my program every year. So that's a good output. But what you really care about is, like, what happens in the community. So mm-hmm. an outcome could be um, the number of businesses that are created by the graduates of my program. So you've got to track, like, okay, who's actually starting a business after they graduate from my program? Um, if you want to even up at a level, you know, who, whose business is still in business after five years or after a yeah. year? Sustainability um, yeah, of it, yeah. Um, you know, how many people have actually brought on an employee those are those are all outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's very helpful. 
Well, Colby, you're taking that long side. Like yeah. you, uh, you don't have another question coming out of that book. I just want to make sure. Um, I, I was going to read just a little bit off the back cover because it relates a little bit to, to this. I mean, I read it before, but after meeting with you today, Dave, and um, talking more about this, it says God loves just economies. But sadly, the invisible invisible hand of the market has chiseled huge gaps or cracks in our community. So talking about kind of gaps and cracks and how those are um, those are a good starting point for us to place to to look for those gaps and cracks and who's who's falling through, who's missing out. Um, and yeah, so just a reminder to myself, like say that I can I can get in the habit of surrounding myself with people that. I have um, a shared affinity or passion with, and I can kind of miss out on that. So that's a it's a good reminder to to ground in that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Excuse me for taking those photos of you. I I had to get double glasses, Colby. That's a that's a classic <laughs> look, and many of us have seen it. But uh, that, that's but the it, uh, full rebellion against bifocals. <laughs> <laughs> They're called that progressive really lenses now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, so the the initiative that Colby was referring to earlier, we're we're calling Infuse, and some some of you listening to this may have heard of it, and some of you haven't. And so, um, we we were very interested to have Dave down because we were seeing in in his book some of these some of these ideas that we've been engaging with, and even um, obviously coming out of your study, Dave, uh, some real real wisdom. Um, it I, I know I keep. It's it's kind of the same question over and over, but I still want you to just just I think re- repetition on these things is good. Um, as as people who feel compelled by the gospel, um, who who want to serve communities, we want to serve Christ, we want to serve each other. Um, what ways have you seen that have been most impactful? And I think the the follow-up question on that would be from your time in kind of the secular academic circle, what did some of your counterparts and professors see in your research that jumped out about them about the possibilities of what church can do? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. just what what kind of, what insights did you end up having on the impact a church can have? Yeah, well... I mean, that's a good question. I, mean, I think one of the things is that churches, and I don't want this to sound like kind of like an 80s style relevant church, but that the churches are relevant to their neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really come out like, you know, there's been studies that actually show like the economic halo effect of a church in a community just by virtue of being there as, mm-hmm. a, as an organization. Um, a lot of times that's kind of hidden, you yeah. know. Some people actually have a very negative view towards church. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, there should be like, you know, a property tax producing entity yeah. in that place instead. Right. Or, you know, they take up all the parking on Sunday morning. So I think, you know, one of my takeaways from all this is that uh, churches can have a, a, a very beneficial impact on their neighborhoods, but they they can also have a negative impact. Yeah. Um, you know, if they go in there and are, are really kind of oblivious to what's going on in the church. So there's stories of that. Yeah, I was seeking to kind of counteract that and provide some positive ways forward that churches can actually engage yeah. from, a, from a servant perspective, from a listening perspective, but also from a very um, tangible and um, you know, hopefully, positive perspective as well. That that really takes the tools that we've got at our disposal in our current economic system. So I'm not calling for, 
you know, tearing down the system here and, you know, starting over from scratch. I'm assuming we've got, you know, free enterprise, we've got business, we've got capital. How can we use that yeah. um, to advance, you know, that shalom that we opened up talking about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so here uh, here we are moving into these kind of things. We, we just have a few more minutes with you, Dave. What uh, what do you think of Tucson? I loved it. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, what was it, Rollies? We went to Rollies. Rollies was awesome. Mexican patio, um, yeah. The coffee was legit. Okay. You know, I've got a pretty high bar for coffee. I mean, I came from via Portland, so, you know, I've been steeped in Portland coffee for, you know, well, a lot of decades, let's just put it that <laughs> Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised at the quality of the coffee shops in, in Phoenix. And, you know, my my first foray to coffee in uh, Tucson was, like, also very legit. Okay. Good to hear. Uh, just just to give credit where credit is due, got a little coffee over at Flora's Market, which is, as we discovered, uh, roasted over at Presta yep. Coffee. And, uh, yeah, Rolly's Mexican Patio. Beans. Thanks. Nice. And, uh, yeah, Dave, Um Thank you so much for for being with us. Thanks for taking the time to come down to Tucson and for uh, sitting in our uh, in our cool, interesting little corner podcast studio here Glad in the abandoned building. Glad yeah. I could be here. I, I want to go to the rodeo next time, though. Okay, please, Make let's do it. I, I suspect this is not the first time we'll get to hang out with Dave, so cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, thanks, I, guys. I'm hoping for more. So, Dave, thanks so much for coming out, and uh, we really appreciate you. Thanks Thank, again. The thank book, you. The book is uh, Jesus on Main Street, uh, David Cresta, and uh, you can, I'm sure, pick it up on, on you know Amazon and anywhere books are sold. Is, your, yeah. is there a favorite platform where you'd like people to Well, pick so this if you up? go to JesusOnMainStreet.com, yeah. I actually have a purchase um, page there. Yes. Um, I was actually taken to task on this because I originally only had an Amazon link yeah. on there. And I was like, come on, man, you're all about local economic development. Right. So actually, my leading place to go is to your local bookstore. Yep. Might take you a little longer, but they all have, they'll all have access to it. We all use the same distributors. So just yep. tell them you want it, and they'll order it for you. I, Got gospel them. supplies, uh, if you want to go small and Christian. Um, Antigone's. Antigone books. Antigone's, yep. yep, down on 4th Avenue. Yep. So there you go. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.